Hello everyone, we are back again for another episode to hear another inspiring story of a young man who hasn't let his hearing loss hold him back. Today we will be talking to Alex Kirshner and a special bonus of having his mum Libby join us as well. You're in for a real treat in this episode and a very timely podcast episode given the conclusion of the recent Tokyo Olympics. I had the honour and privilege of teaching Alex in Year 5 as his classroom teacher before I moved into the deaf facility as a teacher of the deaf. In my first year in this role, I was then Alex's teacher of the deaf. Alex was an excellent student. He was lots of fun, a little bit cheeky, which I must admit I love in children when they have a little bit of that spunk. And one of the things that I love about being a teacher of the deaf is that the relationship that you form with the families as well as the child. Alex's parents, Libby and Brent and his younger brother, Ben, have been really actively involved in Alex's journey and also in the wider school community. I've kept in contact with Alex's family since he left Mountview eight or nine years ago and have loved watching Alex grow into the great young man that he is. Alex is a very keen and successful swimmer. So Alex, we'd love to hear about your swimming journey so far. I first got in the pool for swimming lessons when I was about six months old and I continued swimming until I was about 12 years old, which is when I decided that I wanted to get serious with my swimming. So I told mum and we moved clubs in order for me to train more with more experienced coaches and better training partners and all. And from that day, I continued to train every day, improving my swimming week by week. And up until today, I now train twice a day, almost every day of the week. I was 12 when I had my first experience as an Australian athlete, and this was competing in Texas in America at the first, at my first World Deaf Swimming Championships. And this was an amazing opportunity for me. It was really eye-opening. I realised that there was a whole new world where deaf people could unite and compete against each other on a global level. It fueled me and inspired me and it made me the best swimmer that I could be. And I was then 15 when I competed at the Deaf Olympics in Turkey. I came fourth in some of my events, which now motivates me for when I soon compete at the Deaf Olympics next year as I hope to medal and, you know, hopefully get some more world records. I also compete in mainstream competitions on a national level. Um, I medaled at nationals a few years ago and um, obviously I'm now in the open age group as I'm 18, so I'm classified as an adult and so I now no longer compete against people my age, so I'm competing against, you know, people that are in the Olympics and five years older than me, so it's a lot harder for me to, you know, still medal and stuff, but obviously that's one of my massive goals now, so. I always get goosebumps hearing you share about your swimming journey. Over the years, I witnessed the time and dedication that both you and your family put into your training and competitions and all that that entails. It's certainly a huge commitment. You've juggled school, a really healthy social life and swimming training so well. 
Uh, it was something that you and I talked a lot about when you were about 12 years old and for me to see how over the years you've really managed and juggled all those time commitments and developed some really key life skills in managing and juggling and prioritizing. It shows just how capable you are when you put your mind to it. Whilst COVID has been a really dominant part of the last 18 months, and particularly for you, Alex, with uh, completing year 12 during most of the the 2020 lockdown, um, must have been really challenging for you. But since finishing year 12, you've had some exciting changes and we'd love to hear what you're up to at the moment. I am currently living in the Gold Coast after finishing year 12 last year and moving all of my stuff up, uh, moving out of home at the end of 2020 when I was 18. And I've now moved into an apartment in Surfers Paradise in the Gold Coast where I swim for Bond University Swimming Club. And I am studying a Bachelor of Laws and a Bachelor of Business at Bond University on a General Excellence Scholarship. Um, I'm currently loving life up here. The weather is so good and this is just an amazing opportunity for me to gain independence and be who I really am, living on my own and experiencing life, you know, with no limitations. It sounds like you're living the dream. It's a chilly 14 degrees in Melbourne today, so I'm very envious of your beach lifestyle. We're interested to hear about some of the challenges that you face as someone with a hearing loss, both in and outside of the swimming world. Well, the most obvious challenge is that I can't swim with my hearing aids in, so I have to take them out when I'm training and in competitions. And at training, this means that I can't hear my coach and my friends, so I often miss what other people are saying, and that can mean that I miss critical feedback that could have helped me improve which puts me at a disadvantage to, you know, my competitors, people that I'm training against and that I want to beat. And at competitions, this means that I have to take out my ears when I race, my hearing aids when I race, and so I often miss the starting buzzer. Well, sometimes I can't hear it. And so that sometimes means that my reaction time might be slower or... I have to tilt my head and look, which can mean that I have a poor start compared to other people. And then outside of the pool, I struggle most in social settings, especially when there is a group of people or multiple people and I can't lip read everyone. And I often feel self-conscious in these positions and sometimes I even try to avoid them, which affects my ability to meet new people and go out so and sometimes when I'm with my friends they forget I'm deaf and then they talk to me without realizing that I can't hear them and so sometimes I don't hear what they say and I may be too embarrassed to ask them to repeat so sometimes I'll just you know crawl inside my little bubble and pretend that it's okay and pretend that I don't need to hear what they say because you know, if I ask people to repeat it, they might be like, doesn't matter, or it's not important, and it hurts. So sometimes I just don't even try, but I know that's not good for me and because I know that I deserve to know what other people have said. Thanks for your honesty in sharing about the challenges that you've experienced, Alex. 
whilst it's hard for me and I'm sure others listening find it difficult too to hear about those challenges, it's really important that we know about them so that we can provide better support to you and to those in our lives with a hearing loss. I know you aren't alone in those feelings as others have shared similar experiences. So I guess it leads me to ask, what do I take away from that? I think it's a really good reminder about that line and I hear it so often, someone asking, what did you say? And just quickly brushing it off with it doesn't matter. We don't always realise the impact that that has on somebody with a hearing loss. I think we have a responsibility to provide someone with a hearing loss with access to that information and just taking the time to repeat something and knowing that that can really make a big difference to you and to your experience in in that setting. It must be challenging as a swimmer competing and training without your devices on. You've obviously found some strategies that work well for you to help overcome those challenges. We'd love to hear what some of the strategies are that you use uh, and how you've overcome the challenges that you probably face every day. When I swim and I'm at training and competitions, I make sure to communicate well with my coach and my training partners to make sure that they understand the degree of my hearing loss and what this means and so that they know that I'm not ignoring them. I just didn't hear them and then they can make sure that I understood what was said and that I didn't miss anything, whether whether it's important or not, because deaf people deserve to know what was said, even, even if they didn't hear it, because even if it's not important, everyone deserves to be equal and it's not our fault that we can't hear it. So that's why I love it when my friends make an effort to say, Alex, did you know what was said? Because it makes me feel special and it makes me feel like I do deserve to be treated equally. Absolutely, you deserve to to hear what's being said. It sounds like the key around this topic is communication and making sure that you communicate your needs and who better to express those needs than yourself to those in that in setting or environment that you're in. One of the things we've been working on at Mount View around swimming lessons is getting the children to express and explain their hearing loss and their listening needs to their swimming coach or to a lifeguard. And I think it's a really great starting point for our children at becoming better advocates for themselves and for their own needs. Alex, you mentioned earlier about some challenges around social settings. Have you got some strategies that you use uh, to... Uh, manage in those situations then in social settings I often make sure that you know I hang around my friends my close friends the ones that I know will make sure that if I didn't hear something that they will repeat it and that they'll inform me on what I've missed and I make sure that I'm friends with people who genuinely care about my hearing loss and care about me because they will make sure that I know what is said by making sure that I can lip read and making sure that other people don't take advantage of my hearing loss or speak in a way that I can't hear. So, and then if I ever don't want to go out, I always tell myself that I shouldn't not go out because I'm worried that I'm not going to understand people because like everyone else, I deserve to, you know, live life whether, you know, with no 
limitations because of my hearing loss. It sounds like you've got some great mates. One of the things that I've always loved about you, Alex, is your ability to advocate for yourself. You've got a good sense of self and have been able to identify the things that your friends can do for you and you then openly share those needs with them. So surrounding yourself with good friends has been and will continue to be important for you. As harsh as perhaps it sounds, if people don't have that respect and understanding, then maybe it is about letting go and finding the right friendships who support and accommodate for your listening needs, but don't let your hearing loss define you. Positive self-talks also seems to have been beneficial for you and knowing your worth and your rights. I think for me as a teacher, your message encourages me to be that external voice of reminding the children I work with about their value and their worth and the importance of facing the challenges head on to enable them to have good and positive experiences moving forward and obviously equipping them with the skills that they need to be able to face those challenges, uh, such as self-talk and surrounding yourself with good people and advocating for those needs. It's really helpful. It's been great hearing from Alex and we'll hear a little more later in this episode. Now we're going to hear from Libby, Alex's wonderful mum. Libby has always been and continues to be a huge supporter of Alex throughout his journey. She brings great insight, wisdom, and a real touch of reality that I think many of our listeners will find practical and encouraging. To throw Libby straight into a deep question, if you could give yourself from 10 to 15 years ago as a new mum with a little toddler recently diagnosed with a hearing loss, some advice, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself and would you do anything differently? Looking back 10 to 15 years ago, I really can't see anything different that I would do with Alex. I've always raised him to be independent, so he's always organised himself for school, got his own clothes out, helped with chores around the house, helped his younger brother, and even helped raise a puppy that we got when he was in prep. I've always given Alex every opportunity to try whatever he likes, and even though I might guide him in a certain direction, he always gave everything a go. In primary school, he played for his local footy team with lots of his school friends. He swam competitively at a local swimming club and he attended Taekwondo classes twice a week, getting his half black belt. So basically, we raised Alex as a normal child with no disability. There are times when his hearing impairment did come into play though, but we tried to let him work out any issues for himself. I really love the practical lessons that we can take away from what you're sharing, Libby. You've really given Alex so many opportunities to find his own interests by providing lots of rich and varied experiences and opportunities. It does seem like it's that fine line of allowing him to grow and learn from experiences and face challenges rather than, you know, wrapping him up in cotton wool whilst at the same time providing him with the right support and guidance. You and Brett have done a great job in in getting that balance and I'm sure it's been a juggling act and and a team effort over the years. You have two lovely sons, Alex, and then along came Ben. Both boys, not surprisingly, are both very sporty. 
taking after you and Brett. Did you find any challenges that were specific for Alex? Uh, and what challenges did you notice for Alex from a parent perspective? I can't say too many challenges different from what Alex had as a child growing up to what my younger son Ben has had. With Alex, I have to be ready to attend any appointments or be ready to race out to Australian hearing if he ever had an issue. But I guess looking back, being social was probably the hardest for Alex at primary school and also at high school. Even though he was really sporty, all the boys are always in such a hurry. So explaining rules for lunchtime games in the schoolyard was really hard for Alex to understand. So he often gravitated to the girls as they had more understanding and would repeat anything if he missed hearing it. In high school, this was similar again. He had a small core group of friends that he still is friends with, but his closest friends are probably his like-minded swimming friends. I am sure lots of our families listening can relate to dashing off to Hearing Australia for various unexpected appointments. It's really insightful hearing about a parent perspective of social groups. I think we all crave Uh, and connect with people we have something in common with. It's great that Alex found his niche within the swimming community. I encourage all families to support their children in finding their community, their little niche, whatever that might be, somewhere they connect, feel supported and feel like they belong. I think it's human nature in all of us to want that and to look for that. As a family, how did you go about supporting Alex? In terms of supporting Alex, I guess we just always talked to him a lot. Communication's a big part of our household. He was always open with us and we would always sit at dinner tables together talking and Alex loved coming out walking the dog too so we could often have good walks then. Alex and I always had lots of time in the car driving to sport which is a good time to talk as well. So I guess I always listened, gave advice for him to try if he needed it but most of all I was just his biggest supporter, but I guess I'm also the biggest supporter of his brother, Ben, as well. Ben and Alex are lucky boys to have you, Libby. I love that you mentioned communication as a key and for the way that you integrated that into your family culture through walks and mealtimes. Children learn so much by being surrounded by the use of language and it builds such a strong foundation for relationships. You are obviously a close family and I know you have wonderful extended family support as well. What other support have you experienced throughout your journey? In terms of support for our journey, I guess I didn't really have much support from the deaf world for the first few years, so I had to go out and find it myself. Once we started at Tara Lee, I had people to talk to there, but there there was no like mother and baby classes when Alex was a little toddler. So we had to wait till we started kinder to meet some other people. So once I got to Mountview Primary, I felt so much better with having the deaf facility. Other parents were, it was nice meeting other parents from the deaf facility with hearing impaired students as well. And I guess our parents, both my husband Brent and my parents, were a huge support to us, just being there whenever we needed help around the house or help with Alex. But really, when Alex was diagnosed, we knew nothing about hearing loss at all. I had no idea that there were even different levels of hearing loss. 
So I've always had good relationships with the deaf facility. And then once Alex has gone into high school, I've always kept a good relationship with the head of the special needs teachers at high school as well. It must have been a little overwhelming at first, navigating your way through the system and supports available whilst managing your own emotional response. Sounds like you've been really proactive though at getting involved in the different services and schools Alex has been involved with uh, in order to meet others and to stay connected. For any of our families listening, we provide different ways you can connect you can connect with other families within the facility, including family events, parent catch-ups, and more recently, our Instagram page. You can follow us at MV Deaf Facility Parent Community. Libby, do you have any last bits of advice to give to our listeners? So overall, I'm really proud of the person Alex has become. When he was diagnosed, I thought he would be so different to other children but we've worked so hard with him in the early years and now everyone even forgets that he's hearing impaired. Even our close family friends talk to him when he's in the pool, when he isn't looking at them. And I have to remind them and they feel so silly, but they just totally forget because he's just normal. And this is 18 years later. Alex is such a great role model. He's gone from hiding his hearing impairment to embracing it. So just go with how your child is feeling at the time because it changes all the time. Alex is the first to acknowledge the time and effort you have invested into him over the years. So don't ever forget how powerful your role has been and continues to be in supporting Alex. Thank you so much, Libby, for your insight, your enthusiasm, warmth, and for really providing some practical tips for us. I know once COVID restrictions lift and Alex is back in Melbourne for a visit, we're keen to get you both along to share with our families face to face. Alex is a credit to himself, to you, Brett, Ben, and to your extended family, and I'm not surprised you are all so proud of him. To finish up, I've asked Alex if he has any advice to give our listeners about supporting children with a hearing loss. When I look back on my childhood and growing up, one of the most important things that I recognised my parents had done was letting me fail and make my own mistakes and not wrapping me up in bubble wrap to make sure that I never got hurt because that was what has made me and shaped me to be who I am today, making my own mistakes and learning from them. And, you know, they're putting me straight in the deep end so that I learn how to cope and I learn how to swim and not in a bad way, but you know, encouraging me to go out and meet new people and and adapt to environments that I haven't been in before because it's scary going to a party where you don't know anyone and you're deaf and you can't understand everything. But then when that party is finished, I look back on it and I am so happy with myself for going and for, you know, pushing my boundaries and meeting new people and just not letting my hearing impairment stop me. So that's my message, that parents should let their children be who they are by making their own mistakes and learning about themselves, not having their parents shape them to be who they should be or preventing them from exploring the world of able-bodied people because being deaf is not a 
barrier to living a normal life. What a great message from the mouth of someone who has lived this journey. Very powerful and encouraging words for us to hear. I feel as though I need to listen to those words a few times over to really let them sink in. You are very inspiring, Alex. I always told you to remember me, your year five teacher and your year six teacher of the deaf, who can take absolutely no credit for any of your swimming success. Give me a shout out or perhaps give Mount View a shout out when we're sitting at home watching you on our televisions one day. We're so proud of all that you've achieved, Alex, but more importantly, really proud of the way you go about everything that you do and for the way that you dedicate time to helping other young people with a hearing loss to help them and their families. The world needs more people like you and the Kirshner family. That brings us to the end of another inspiring episode. Stay tuned for our next episode. If you have any questions or if this episode has raised anything you'd like to chat about, please reach out to me via email, kristen.knight at education.vic.gov.au. See you next time.